Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. episode four which is entitled that was by three days grace which is a rock band from canada but um that's basically what happened wednesday and carried on throughout the rest of the week of this week and a little bit in professional wrestling also with going along with the theme of less starting a riot but that kind of happened on Monday and Tuesday and it carried on throughout the rest of the week throughout professional wrestling just by a little tidbit of news news hitting coming out here and there but I'll get to that later um but first of all let me get to some of the things that people can do if you want to enjoy food as much as I do but let me just list off some of the things that's coming up for National Food Day which I never really got National Food Days because they would just pop up randomly, and you just hear on the news, okay, today is National Food Day is this, today is National Food Day is that, but if you're into that type of thing, let me just list off some of the things that's coming around this week. Today, January 10th, is National Bittersweet Chocolate Day. I'm cool on that. Um, January 11th is National Hot Toddy Day, which is a hot Irish whiskey drink, and also National Milk Day. January 12th will be National Curry Chicken Day and National Glazed Donut Day. January 13th will be National Gluten-Free Day and National Peach Melbay Day, which is basically a peach dish with ice cream and raspberry sauce. Um, January 14th will be National Hot Pastrami Sandwich Day. January 15th will be National Bagel Day. National Fresh Squeeze Juice Day and National Ice Cream of the day will be Strawberry and January 16th will be National Fig Newton Day and International Hot and Spicy Food Day. I'm not too good on the hot and spicy. I'm more of a uh, sweet, toothy type of guy if I have to have something. Um, and savory. I mean, I can't do sugar. I mean... I can't do hot too much because I get congestion, but nevertheless, that's a little bit about me yet again. Um, but let me just dive right into it. I'm just going to be blunt with you. But before I do that, about before I give my takes on what happened Wednesday whenever the Capitol got stormed, let me play what our president for now until the inauguration of Joe Biden, uh, let me play what Donald Trump said. This, let me, but before I play it, let me give you some feedback. The Capitol got stormed. The, stop. Let me give you some feedback for the people that didn't pay attention Wednesday, which I don't know how you didn't pay attention. Um, But Wednesday was the Capitol got stormed. And inside the Capitol is the politicians and uh, senators and all, all such and such. They were doing a count for the Electoral College votes to see if Joe Biden has won in 
all these states or who Donald Trump won in these states. Blah, blah, blah. And during that call, you were able to, the senators were able to say, I object to um, somebody's votes being uh, called in a certain type of state like we had, I believe, in Arizona, I believe. Arizona got called because I believe Joe Biden won that, but their representative stood up and said they want to challenge it, and Ted Cruz was right beside him and challenged it. But anyway, let me get to the meat and potatoes of this. As that was going down, they got um, into their own respective chambers. The House got into one their side, and no, the Republicans got into one side of the Capitol, and the Democrats got into one side of the Capitol. And me and my mother were watching this, and we were just going about how this is stupid, how we never really hear nothing about this, and you would see on, and we were watching on ABC, how um, even the correspondents on ABC were upset that they even had to cover this. They thought it was stupid, just like the rest of us, because they knew the outcome. We all knew the outcome was going to be Joe Biden was going to still be the next president to sit in office. So, on the outskirts was um, some Trump supporters rallying on the outside because Trump, earlier in the day, had a, I would say, press conference to his Trump supporters out there. And he was in front of a podium, in front of all his Trump supporters, saying how they got robbed and how they cheated the election and how... I truly didn't win. How Joe truly, Joe Biden truly didn't win. He cheated to win. Blah, blah, blah. And he got into these people's heads and they basically took over the Capitol. For what kind of gain? I have no idea. But I'm about to give my opinion on this after I play Donald Trump's um, video. While the, riot, while the rioting was truly happening in the Capitol, this is a video that he sent out during the mix of the rioting itself. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Now, that was from Donald Trump's um, Twitter feed. And after he got done stating that on his Twitter feed video, um, hours later, Facebook owner, creator, Mark Zuckerberg decided to permanently ban Donald Trump off his Facebook um, 
app, social media website, because they all know how much Donald Trump is truly a threat to society in the seat that he's currently still in at this moment. We only have another couple of weeks. Matter of fact, as your listeners recording, we have another week and two days. No, I believe a week and three days until Joe Biden is in office. And I don't know about you, I can't wait for that to happen. But as I said before, politics is not for the minorities. We are just here to do our part so people of um people that are not too morally immorally incorrupt will be empowered because we know everybody in politics they all might they're all going to say something while they're campaigning they're all going to promise us things that even they might want to happen but as you are listening to these politicians talk you always got to remember um not every politician is going to be able to capitalize and give you what you um what they promised what they have said they're going to give you what they were basically riding their campaign on as in i know some of the stuff that biden talked about was um i don't know whether was why was it either canceling all student debt or reducing it down anybody that has student debt should know that i don't see that ever change see that ever coming to fruition like it ever happening as in he's going to end student debt because if so that's a good thing for a lot of people that have taken upon student debt but um i don't see that happening i see politicians still going to be um, politicianing they're still going to be lying to your faces they're still going to be not able to capitalize and guarantee you and give you everything of what they um, promise you want on their campaign trail but that's what but getting back to my point politics wasn't never for minorities whenever we were watching whenever me and my mother were watching the um, voting system go down I just happened to make a side comment and I asked my mother, do you see any other, do you see any black people down that floor right now? There's only like one, she read off, um, the Pete read off, uh, the injunction or challenge to the voting of Arizona. That was the only one that was like on the floor and she was up there just to deliver that type of, um, message but other than that you majority saw a whole room full of Caucasian individuals and that should tell you everything you need to know about politics ladies and gentlemen yes we the minorities need to get into politics we need to try to make um our lives better and we need to try to understand what these politicians are saying to us what type of crap they're trying to sell to us because we are easily falling into this trap of yay this person said this or boo this person isn't didn't say this or that listen not everything's gonna be promised everything that's promised not gonna be coming to fruition
everything that has been said won't come to fruition. And we have to understand that. But we also have to understand that we do need to get into politics. We need to look into more um, political books. We need to look more into um, our local government. We need to look into who is our leaders whenever it's time for our states to um, have a representative in Congress. We need to know who is up, who is batting for us. Is it somebody that we want or is it somebody that we don't want batting for us? Because we have had a lot of people bat for us. And I can tell you right now, throughout all my life, living down here in the South, I can't truly say um, that I've seen any difference. I mean, my road gets fixed here and there, but it keeps on having the same old um, potholes that keeps on being rebuilding. I don't know if they give us crappy concrete. Or whatever the case may be, but by God, the road gets fixed every about mm, almost every summer or about a year or two summer. But during that time after it gets fixed, the concrete keeps on getting, I mean, the asphalt just keeps on getting broken up and we end up with potholes and the road ends up with just holes, bro. I mean, there's nothing that ever gets fixed, but I digress off all of that my people that are listening to me and if you're not of caucasian skin you and i we the minorities we need to get into politics more yes we are having we are starting to see more of our faces in there but it's not taking over as many seats as we need to take over so we actually can Plummet and achieve actual change for us, for people that look like us. Because right now, as you have seen throughout this whole timing process, from the beginning of American time, from Caucasian people coming to this land and taking it, it wasn't no trade, ladies and gentlemen. They took this land. They took this land from Native Americans. The actual Americans. They're not Native Americans. They're the Americans. They took it from them. And they gave them a bunch of beads. And threw them out to the west. And then the Caucasian people still ran over to the west. And chose to still was murdering and hacking at the Americans that were here first. People that are not Caucasian. We need to all come together. Mexicans, I hate to say it like that, but people that speak Spanish, um, people that are Hispanic, sorry, people that are Hispanic, people that are black, people that are Chinese, Vietnamese, Dominican, um, Puerto Rican, anything that's not Caucasian, we all need to come together and we all need to make a decision. For who represents us. Not all of our struggles are the same. Because it's not. But. We can at least. Make the decision that you know what. We can make an alliance. That we can have our people. People that look like us. 
in that White House, in Congress, in the House of Representatives, we can make that decision. But we all have to be on one accord. And that's the thing. We all have to be on one accord. And I'm going to bandwagon it like this. And we're all like we did when Joe Biden won. I didn't vote because I told my mother politics really doesn't matter for us. But whenever I looked at the results and it all came back, black people came out in droves. Black women came out in droves. They pushed it and they had made it possible for Kamala, Kamala Harris to be the first black female vice president of the United States and Joe Biden becoming president to take over after this heinous four-year reign of a coup conjured up by two people and I'm gonna get into that into another episode because I believe this whole presidential thing of the last four years was nothing but a coup my parents have heard it and my brothers and siblings have heard it but it's nothing but a but it's been a whole coup but I'll get into that into a whole another episode now let me get back into what this whole thing is about. The whole title of Let's Start a Riot. Wednesday, when when your representatives and your senators were in the Capitol building. And I keep on saying Capitol earlier in the episode. And what I was forgot to say was Capitol building. You had, I'll say about mm, 30 minutes later after... You hear about their, the Democrats and Republicans have to have a um, break so they can discuss it within each other's chambers. Within that 30 minutes after that, you, ABC and CBS turn to outside of the Capitol building and up upon the street coming towards the Capitol building building was nothing but Trump supporters. And I mean by God, nothing but Trump supporters. You saw a whole lot of Karens and a whole lot of Bobs out there. And yes, I'm calling them Bobs. Because Bob is the most plain Dane white person name. And I'm sorry to anybody that's named Bob that has to deal with this name now because right now guess what you're just in the same boat as the Karens if a woman was named Karen I'm sorry but this is what I'm calling you men that join in on that atrocity that treasonous thing that happened Wednesday you had Karens and Bob's storm the Capitol building where your legislative governors and your representatives and your senators there from each party now the news would say that the Trump supporters bum rush into the main front of the Capitol building as they went up the stairs because they had steel guardrails around but when we my mother and myself were watching ABC not ABC news but CBS news at the time CBS reporter 
well, not reporter, the cameraman had showed us that a Trump supporter had one of the guardrails and easily moved it out the way while a mall cop style <laughs> Capitol building, Capitol building security officer was right there and he just moved it as a, so stood there doing nothing. He did, you didn't see him try to move, try to do anything with force of like elbowing the guy or even punching the guy, anything of that nature. You just saw him stand right there as the Trump supporter moved the metal guardrail. That gave a clear, empty, clear opening for him and the people behind him to straight up just walk through it. My brother showed me something on Twitter. And on Twitter, it had a guy narrating, and he says, and I am just paraphrasing this, in that video, he says, Look at the police and Trump supporters having a scuffle. And next thing you know, you see the police officer literally open up that gate so the Trump supporters could walk on through. He said having a scuffle and a funny term matter because when you guys see that video, you guys will see it as, oh my God, this guy just opened up the gate so these terrorist can run through and walk through and you might not like that I'm saying terrorist but it is terrorists are people that are trying to do damage and cause harm to one's government or people that are trying to cause harm to something that we all deem as something that is of high value and the capitol building is of high value because as i said before that's where your senators and your woke and not your local but your state representatives go there to hash out bills and blah 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 wednesday was a whole five to six hours non-stop live coverage of terrorism and for the life of me, I will just be making comments out of my mouth. And me and my mom and my brother and my father would just see this happening. And I said this point blank. I said, man, they were able to do something that we, the blacks, the minorities could never do. I mean, I said that we couldn't even get a sniff of what they were doing. And you and I use the sniff as this example. You need to know when your dog is about to sniff. You see when your dog's nose is sniffing and it is that twitching you see your dog's nose twitch and you start seeing his head pop up and you start seeing it and smelling something. It wouldn't, the white people wouldn't even give us the opportunity to even hit that whiff of a sniff before they even start shooting us down with either tear gas, rubber bullets, 
real bullets hitting us with batons, hitting us and beating us down with those big old riding shields, running us down with tanks to scare us, and hosing us down in tear gas. I didn't see not a lick of that this Wednesday at the Capitol building. What I saw was terrorists climbing up walls to demonstrate that they are really taking over the Capitol building. I saw terrorists walk inside the Capitol building and take podiums out of the Capitol building. I saw a man put his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk and he in the photo and this is an iconic photo that I believe will be in a lot of kids history books in the South because I worry about the South because the South do have a tendency of twisting certain things because to the victors go the spoils but not down here in the south because the south lost the civil war but boy oh boy do we not really hear and learn about all that we kind of learn about okay the south lost the civil war the mass the mass of <laughs> the, the people the slaves getting freed we and that's it but the little undertone is they never tell you that okay the slaves got freed but it took some time for the all every slave to get free it took a couple of years after that bill got signed because certain people were never told until they got to a man on a horse to travel around every single place to say the slaves are free they don't tell you it took years for that. That's the little nuances that you don't learn. That's the little nuances that the school system doesn't teach these children. And I was never taught that. I can say that now as a 24-year-old man that was in the South. You were not taught that at the school that I went to. That didn't happen. So I worry for the children that are going to be born or moved in the South and down the line never taught that, hey, this happened. Or they're going to twist the narrative of these were people trying to fix something that was wrong. They felt that there was a wrongdoing or blah, 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 or however they try to fix it and twist it into their narrative to sway into their beliefs. Because the South has a lot of beliefs. In certain regions of the South, it changes. There's, there's changing happening. But in the majority of the South, this is still a Republican I'm white, white, white. I am a. I have. I'm not gonna say KKK because I haven't seen it, but it is more of the white, white, white 
you know what it is when you come down here type of atmosphere. They're not going to call you the N-word if you're black to your face. I haven't had that experience like that. Let me put it like this. I haven't. But, so I can only go off of my experience. Nobody has ever had the audacity to call me the N-word to my face. They probably said it behind their back. But guess what? I don't hear nothing behind my back if they don't say it to my face. They just prove that they're cowards. But that's what the South down here is. It's still the narrative. It's still the whole thing of this is white people. This is white people uh, region. You know your place if you're a minority. You know you have to play up the narrative of being a good person so they won't have you in that stereotype box of whatever your minority thing is. You can't act a certain type of way in the South because if you do, you fit into literally that bubble that they put you in and you are going to be looked down upon until you change that. Until they see change in you more and more which is stupid because just because I punch somebody that doesn't mean I'm a thug I might have had a reason to punch somebody but you are afraid to ask me my reason of why I punch somebody I might have had a reason to literally <laughs> light somebody's whole body up but you never ask you only ask the people that look like you, why did you get hurt? And it's all because you have been conditioned that way. You have been conditioned to look at who you are because they see you as somebody that they see on television so much if you are from the hood they're going to think you have that hood mentality mind which you probably don't have the mentality mind because your parents have raised you up in a way that you don't have that hood state of mindset you might come up there wanting to make good grades wanting to further yourself out in life but the teachers are going to look at you a certain type of way because you might not always dress nice you might not always look nice. You might not always smell nice. You might not even be able to have lunch money for the extra things. That's how the South is down here. The teachers will look upon you like that. And probably everywhere else, but I only can, I only can say for the South, that's what it is. If you are not of Caucasian skin. But let me get back to this whole Trump thing. This whole Trump uh, terrorism that happened at the Capitol. The minorities would never gotten a sniff of that. We wouldn't have even came close to that. Whenever I was on Twitter Thursday and I looked at everything that happened Thursday, people and celebrities were putting up differences of whites to blacks. 
Viola Davis even had the Family Guy Peter in a car, having to wear an America Make America Great hat, and it had the color the color stylistic of you know how you want paint for your wall, but it had like a guy with his hand or with a paint chart, a color of skin chart, and it said terrorists or thugs to civilians. And you know which one which is civilians, the people that are had the white skin. And the thugs and terrorists were the people that had darker complexions. That's what happened. On Thursday, you saw people making out and showing the differences of what happened this summer compared to what happened yesterday. During the summer, you had people making protests. You had people protesting out there in Washington, not busting up things at Washington. Because I'm not going to say everywhere else, because people were busting things up everywhere else to make you get the point that for far too long, black people have been getting shot and killed by the police. Let me make this perfectly clear. The Black Lives Matter movement this summer that happened, it was all because of police keep on killing black people, black civilians, black lives, however you want to say it, however you want to make it, make it towards your narrative so you can feel good at night or whatever the case may be for you. It was black lives were getting killed by police officers. And during the summer, people were busting up places of stores. People were busting up buildings. People were burning down things. Because you know why? Because the only way to get people's attention as a minority is if you bust buildings, you bust property, and you start burning down things. Because guess what? In order to fix those things and make them look shiny and new, it costs money. And whenever you start messing with money, as in America, and I put that in quotes, quotation marks, money, then you have America's full attention. Because now, they're looking at, oh my god, we have to replace this because these people were rioting or these people were messing up the building that had Gucci store the Gucci store the Louis Vuitton store the Marc Jacobs store the blah 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 store whoever high fashion name even down to California and Rodeo driving all that stores got busted and everything else and people were so up in arms like oh my god I can't believe they had the nerve to bust up those stores. Too bad. For far too long, America has had racism being swept underneath the rug, and they never talked about it. You know, if you talk about it, we could easily figure out how to get through and get done with all this. So guess what? It could be straight up a part of our his, a part of America's history, and say, you know what? We actually fix it instead of keep on sweeping it underneath the rug and hoping. I hope to God it goes away. Because it never goes away. 
and Wednesday showed a perfect example of it. A man was in the Capitol building's literal spot where Mike Pence, Nancy Pelosi, and all of them would do the their meetings at where all the other senators and state representatives around in that one room. There's a photograph of a man just in that Nancy Pelosi's like spot, not in her office, but in the actual spot in that room of him just shouting out and it looks like he's shouting and a photographer is above him with a photo, like taking a photo of him. What in God's green name do you think will happen if a black person even tried to get, get that opportunity? You don't think that whole room would have been bust up with police or even military people? having their guns cocked and ready to shoot that one person. Matter of fact, that one person wouldn't have even gotten that opportunity. Matter of fact, that person wouldn't have even came close to that. We wouldn't have been even able to storm the Capitol building like these terrorists did. Thursday, when I was on Twitter, I listened to Draymond Green he is an NBA player that plays for the Golden State Warriors. And he was tired of this being called um, protesters. Because just like everybody else, we all were able to see how this was not a protest. A protest is something civil Egan is nonviolent a protest is that you walk up the street you chant something you try to make sure everybody understands exactly what you're chanting what you're about and what happens you try to hope that there's going to be some type of resolution from you keep on protesting that's what it is he said that he was tired of the media keep on saying that these thugs, these terrorists, were protesters. And he's right. What you should say, and what the media should say is, these Caucasians, these white people, these Trump supporters, and once they didn't say Trump supporters, but they did not say Caucasians. They didn't say none of that. They did not say Caucasians. They did not say whites. They did not say human jars of mayonnaise. Which I'm probably sure Charlemagne the God did say that. But the big global media didn't say that. They just say Trump supporters. But getting back to a point, Draymond Green said these were not protesters, these were terrorism. This was an act of terrorism. In that during Black Lives Matter movement this summer, we were shown as animals, thugs, called everything under the sun. And we were just protesting for police killing black civilians. That's what we were protesting for. While these guys were storming a building because their guy lost 
In what world does that make sense? In what country does that make sense? That you storm your building, your big capital building, where your local, not your local, but your state representatives do business to quote unquote help out your state to make sure your voice be heard as American citizens. And I'll still say it again. Your voice is the Caucasian voice. And on a sporadic and rarity time, minority voice be heard. That never happens. That wouldn't go down in France. That wouldn't happen in Canada. That wouldn't happen in Italy. That wouldn't happen in Japan. That, for God's sakes, and I know this for sure, wouldn't happen in North Korea. And I know this wouldn't happen in Russia. But it happened to America. The place where every immigrant was trying to come to to build a better life for their family. It happened here. The American dream, if you will. (laughs) The white picket fence. That's all white people language. And this was all happening because of white people. Let that sink in for a minute. White people, white terrorists, white thugs, white devils came in and slapped America across the face. (laughs) That's funny to me. That's funny. My mom showed me, and she shared a video of the rapper T.I. talking about it. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing this again, in dope boy language, America just got tried. (laughs) America just got tried. And it's all up to America to see what's going to happen and what he meant by that was there is there going to be some arrest or there going to be some killings involved what's going to happen to the trump supporters that was inside the building because if nothing happens you're lie you're <laughs> you're going to get tried again by somebody and you're constantly going to get tried again Because now, people think, in street language, you're sweet. A.K.A. you're triable. Anything, you are able to allow anybody to test you, and nothing happened to them. There will be no ramifications. And that's what's happening. I mean... In a sense, because, well, I mean, 
<laughs> we we get it now because there's been five reports of people are dead from it. About forty injured. I know the guy that had his foot on Nancy Pelosi's desk. He got arrested. But the funny thing is, ladies and gentlemen, Friday he got arrested. The incident happened on third not Thursday, but Wednesday. That leaves a day difference. You the American public whites that run this country. You guys allowed him to get his affairs in order on that day. With the roles were switched and that be a person of different color, minority, black. That man wouldn't have even gotten a day. That man wouldn't have gotten an hour. That man would have got shot on the spot because he, they would have thought that envelope that he had in his hand was a gun or a weapon of some sort. As soon as he was trying to even pull it out of his pocket, they would have automatically shot on sight. And we would have had that dead and that person's body would have been dead. Do you not know how many total of deaths it would have been if it were a different minority than Caucasian? There would have been so many deaths. So many. As a matter of fact, as I stated before, we wouldn't have even gotten a sniff to go up there like that. During the Black Lives Matter movement this summer you had the police officers in the military suited and booted I mean armed up from the head to toe wearing tactical gear carrying AKs carrying batons carrying tear gas carrying pepper spray on a tank on a horse and yes, it was on a horse. <laughs> That's what happened this summer. That is what happened this summer. You had all these special guys and gals in gear protecting quote-unquote, again, a laughable thing, the American way. Which, in the American way, that means the white way, as in white people get to do this. You guys don't. You guys go back into the house. You guys will take this slap, this killing that we have bestowed upon you, and you will smile at us, and like it. That's what they did. This summer. That's the message that they were sending to us. This summer. But I'm happy. And I'm glad that my fellow black civilians. My fellow black people. And our allies. Whether you be white. Asian. 
Muslim, any other skin color, any other any other ethnicity, stand with us. And I am forever grateful to have seen that because that was a great thing to have happened. And I want you guys to continue to show the differences of what would happen if it was Black Lives Matter or if it was um, Muslim <laughs> people trying to run up that Capitol building. Could we all know what would have happened? Gunshots would have rang. Bodies will be flying. Bodies would be on the floor, left and right. I mean, just all that. And when I was sitting and looking at Twitter photos that people would compose and show off the difference, there was one photo that stuck to me. On the bottom, it showed a white man inside the Capitol building, and I mean, just yelling at a security mall cop security for the Capitol and on top of that photo it was a black man with his daughter a small daughter on his shoulders and up on his opposite side of him was a white man having a <laughs> having a long stick about to in position to try to joust the man in his stomach and he had two police guards, on one on each side of him. And they were holding up sh riot shields. In that example, what I just told you. There was a man during this whole deal yelling at a mall security cop for the Capitol building on the bottom and on the top was a black man holding his daughter on his shoulders. And you know how hard it is if you're a parent. Your kid being on your shoulders, a.k.a. meaning your, both of your hands are on your kid's feet or legs to make sure they ain't going to fall back or fall over, fall over you and hit the ground. And in front of you, you see... Three police officers, two with riot shields, and one with a long stick that's trying, that looks like in position to try to hit you in the middle of your stomach, which could potentially make you lose balance and make your baby, your child, fall down, hit the floor. That's insane. That's a legit photo, by the way. Not a made up thing that I'm just saying. That's a legit thing. You can Google it. And it's there. It's sickening. How law enforcement. Handle minorities. Compared to whites. I'm not going to lie to you. As this was going off. I was saying. You know what. You know how to make people. Make these Trump supporters. These terrorists run away if you shoot one of them in the shoulder. And my mom looked at me and I just smiled and I laughed hysterically. And I said, okay, 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 okay. 
Okay, if you don't want to kill them, okay, just shoot them in the kneecap then. I mean, I've heard of people getting shot in the kneecaps and they still live. It's a, it's a fact. Some people have been shot in the kneecap and they still live. I mean, if you shoot somebody in the shoulder, I mean, there's a possibility. I'm not too sure about getting shot myself because I never got shot before. But there's a possibility that if you shoot somebody in the shoulder, they could die, maybe. But if you shoot somebody in the kneecap, I mean, the only worst thing that can happen is that the person's leg might get amputated. But they knew the risk because they were storming the Capitol building. You're storming the Capitol building. That's insane. Truly insane. I'm going to break it to you like this. The Capitol building got took over. And no cops and military force were there for hours. It took them about a gun two to three hours to even get there. I looked towards my people and I said, man, cops are late. And I started busting out laughing because I'm looking at how much on the flip side in the summer, cops were there because the protest was scheduled and them, they were there suited and booted up, ready for combat just off the fact if something were to happen. But they didn't have the gall to be there crazy as soon as this whole thing was happening. There's no way you mean to tell me your captain didn't see this on the news or get ringings off that the Capitol building was getting raided. That the Capitol building was getting taken over. There's no way. Nobody's going to try to tell me any difference. No. There's no way in the world. Okay? Let me tell you the difference between a leader that wants you to do no harm. And a leader that wants you to do harm. In August of 28, 1963, this was a planned out protest for American civil rights, for job and freedom of economic rights, and a thing to end slavery. On August 28, 1963, it had... The famous I Have a Dream speech by Martin Luther King Jr. And he delivered it at Lincoln Memorial. And at that speech, there were 250 civil rights supporters there to listen to that iconic I Have a Dream speech. And 
in all history books, because they would have said something about it. After the I Have a Dream speech was delivered, I didn't hear and I haven't read anything about people hearing that and say, you know what, we're going to tear up Washington. We're going to go there and try to destroy and storm the White House. Or <laughs> Capitol Building or Capitol Hill. Nothing. But Wednesday, Trump gave a speech talking about how he was robbed, how they were robbed, how this was a rigged election, blah, 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 blah. And this was a pre-planned attack by his Trump supporters in advance. They were going to go and hear what the Don had to say. And then, hours later, they went and stormed the Capitol building. That is insane. That's the difference between a leader that really doesn't want you to have no harm and a leader that wants you to commit harm. MLK, Martin Luther King, when after he got done giving that iconic I Have a Dream speech, you felt like there was hope in the works. You felt that you, there was going to be change coming later down the line. That speech didn't cause you to get angry. That speech didn't cause you to get in the mood to try to tear up anything. That speech left you with hope. And in the end, there was hope. In the end, there was change. That's a leader that doesn't want you to cause harm compared to Donald Trump, who, in his speech, complained about a rigged election, complained about how they were screwed, complained about this, I'm not giving up power, talking about this and that and laissez-faire. His speech gathered his minions up, and they decided, you know what, we are going to tear up Washington. We're going to tear up everything that the Founding Fathers ugh, gave us. And I say us, I mean the white folks, because Founding Fathers might have created or stolen certain uh, things from Constitution, from other things. But they gave a whole lot of rights to Caucasians. And this is not a Caucasian bashing um, podcast episode. Let me just make that perfectly clear. This isn't that. I know if you probably stuck with me this way, you probably are thinking, oh my god, he's constantly bashing white folks. No, 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 no. There are white folks that are with us. I'm not, I'm not going to um, mislead you and say there's not white people that uh, that don't understand. I'm not going to say don't understand. They don't. I'm looking for the right word. 
that don't feel for the other minorities, that don't feel for um, black people. There are white people, Caucasian people, that feel for us, that have been with us before this whole George Floyd, George Floyd thing, that's been with us after the George Floyd thing because they didn't realize and see how much white privilege they truly have. And there are people now that are finally waking, there are white people now that are waking up to see, wow, we truly have white privilege because they're able to see and know just based off of the summer that black people wouldn't have even gotten an opportunity to do any of this. There would have been dead bodies all over the floor. And as I said, this is not a white person hating podcast, me bashing them. This isn't that. This is just me stating it and stating facts that black people, the minorities, all of us that are not white, we wouldn't have gotten not an inch close to that Capitol building because that place would have been littered with military and police all over the fat, all over the place. Here's the kicker, by the way, what I'm about to get to is this. After Capitol building I took one over and hours later, military came by. They were trying to, they, were, they had the idea that they were going to take over Capitol Hill. And police officers were now, this time, waiting at Capitol Hill to see if they were going to try, if the Trump supporters were going to try to do something stupid. I'm going to say this. And what I'm about to say is truly serious. Trump supporters had some time to think about what were they going to carry out, what their mission was, they all came together as one. And that's the only thing I could actually applaud them on. They came together as one. That's something that not all minorities can do. That's not something all blacks can do. Not something all Hispanics can do. That's not something not all of us can do. But all the Trump supporters literally came together as one. And they were able to bum rush and take over that. I give them credit for that. That's the only thing. As showing us. And showing the world that they actually have. They have some solidarity. Because they know what they actually stand for. And they believe for in that type of deal. Everybody else. We saw that. We need to get on the ball. And we need to all come together and really understand to our core value what we want, what we're trying to get at, what we truly want. Because being laissez-faire, being lolly, having a lollygagging type of attitude doesn't get you anywhere. As you can see, Trump supporters were able to raid up that place. Imagine if a million black folks could just take over the Capitol building. Imagine that. Imagine the kind of power statement that I'd be sending off. Imagine if a million Muslims or a million Hispanic people could have done that. 
But Gerald, you said that we wouldn't have even gotten a whiff of it. Yeah, we wouldn't have gotten a whiff of it in the beginning. But after this, I think we all need to really look at it and say, you know what, we all need to really come together because if the Trump supporters can storm a building like this, why can't we come together and really make our power in numbers outweigh all the cops and everything else? Because we're afraid of dying. That's the simple answer. We're afraid of dying. We're afraid of not we're afraid of leaving this world which is a frightening thing to do but here's the deal this world is for us to be on here for a certain time frame and while you're on this time frame you have to make choices do you want to help solve the problem or you want to ignore the problem and personally I want to help solve the problem I want us to be in power positions that change the world for our better to make it better for us that's what I'm looking I'm looking for it to be better for everybody. And let me backtrack on something. When I said I wanted some white people to get shot in the shoulder, I was meaning that as in I wanted them to be treated just in the exact same way as if black people or any type of people that are not white would have stormed that building. We would have got lit up. I wanted it to be the same. If you're not going to shoot a white person for doing it, don't shoot a black person or a Hispanic person or a Muslim or Asian or anything of that that's not white. Don't shoot us if you don't shoot them. But I know that's not going to happen yet. It's going to happen later down the line. Either A, where change is really going to come as in White people are going to actually get shot just like we have gotten shot at before. Or either B, we're going to be so much, the minorities are going to have our hands in everything that you can't ignore us at all, that we will actually get equal representation in everything, and that we will finally not get killed out here like that. That is what should happen that's what needs to happen and before I get off this whole riot act business deal a little funny tidbit not funny to people out there like that but in my kooky head funny there was a pit and not a pit as in people digging up a hole people surrounding an area and people were destroying media equipment they were destroying the associated presses cameras their tripod stands their um, equipment holders where they put their cameras and everything in they were destroying that 
And I don't know if my mom was paying attention to it like that, but I was. And I was wondering, why on God's green are you destroying the cameras? Why? The cameras aren't going to do nothing at all to you. They're not on. They're not capturing anything. They're not. The idiots were that stupid to take cameras that weren't they were being they weren't being used. It would have been better and this is just a little tidbit here. It would have been better if you would have took actual cameras that were being used by camera operators that were live. That's the way you hijack or do something properly. I don't mean to put a bull big old target on it and say, hey, Gerald, how do you know this? I'm just saying, if you're going to hijack something, at least do it right, you nitwits. Jesus. They were idiots. Destroying camera equipment that didn't, that wasn't plugged up or anything. You were just destroying the equipment handle and everything else, but you were not destroying the actual cameras that were live, pow. What complete ignoramuses. But, that's all I got to say about that. Minorities, blacks, whites, not, well, blacks, Asians, Muslims, everybody that's not white, we all need to get together within our respective um, society. Or, we all can literally come together and figure out a way how we can make our lives better in America and not haphazardous. Not let white people constantly make decisions on our behalf. We need to have some say in this. And to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Joe, Kamala, you guys need to capitalize on the promises that you guys made during your run. Because let me tell you something. Biden isn't going to get a whole lot of Oh, Biden didn't do this. Biden didn't do that. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen for a little bit. But let me tell you who's really going to get the feedback burn from this. It's going to be Kamala Harris. Because you are the first black female as vice president. You're the flex, first black person as vibes, vice president. Throughout, the, throughout this whole nation. Throughout this whole white foundation until Obama came in as the president, but now you as the vice president. We've now have two black people taking in office, and we have now put our carbon footprint, our stamp, our skin on that foundation. It will no longer be a whole white constitutional power grab in that house, in that White House. You've had black people in there now. Kamala, I need you to put your foot up Biden's butt and get it done. Because if things don't get done, he's going to get some flag, but it's all going to rotter down towards you because you're a black woman and everybody's going to start taking shots at you. It's true it's reality. I don't like it. You don't like it. But it is what it is. I hate to say it like that. And it's crazy for me to say it like that. But I'm sorry. It's going to happen. Everybody likes to ring off on 
the minorities that are in office. People crapped on Obama. But now you're going to get a whole lot of crap because you're the first black female in there and because you're female. People are going to crap on you because you guys didn't do your jobs. And people are going to say, well, that's what politicians do. But they're going to crap on you because you're a black female. That's what's going to happen. So with that, Kamala, Joe, I hope you guys do um, keep all your promises that you made to the American people. And to Trump... I hope you stay off of social media, which never, which I know won't happen because you make too much money off of it. I hope you get out of the White House quick and soon, which is going to happen within the next week in two days. But what I ultimately want you to do is going hiding and never let us see you again. Because young Baron, oh, I mean Sebastian, and your wife, they both need you home so dearly. And with that, I'm off that segment. Now, on to wrestling news. Ah, I'm a big wrestling, and it was a big week for wrestling this week, because this week we had Wrestle Kingdom 15. And I gave my predictions last episode, and I was right on some of the things, some of the things I was wrong, but majority, I was right. I'm not going to lie to you. I was wrong on certain things, and let me get to what I was right about. I was right about them picking um, Hiromu Tanahashi to beat El Fantasma to face off against Taichi Ichimori on night two of for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. I was right about the Gorillas of Destiny beating Dangerous Takers to win their seventh reign as IWGP Tag Team Champions. I was right about Kenta beating um, Kojima to win his to retain his briefcase for the IWGP United States Championship. I was right about Tanahashi beating the Great Okan in at Wrestle Kingdom Night 1. This was just basically a proven ground match for Great Khan to see if he was going to be uh, a proven commodity in New Japan. And from all accounts, I hear that it was a good match for Great Khan, but I was right about them constantly having Hiromu Ta- uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, win that one. I was wrong about uh, Will Ospreay <laughs> winning against Okada. I was wrong. It didn't happen. Uh, Okada beat Will Ospreay and uh, people say match of the night for night one uh, and I was right about Kota Ibushi beating Tasia Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental and Heavyweight Champion to become dual champion on night one and now was Kota Ibushi able to hold on to both golds after night two? Well, here's the answer to this. Here's the answer to that. Yes, he beat Jay White, who I personally wanted, and I said it in the last episode, in my heart, I wanted Jay White to win because he was on a roll as a major bad guy in New Japan. 
but I knew just to end the overall story that they were trying to tell that they were going to have Kota Ibushi retain the double champion, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and IWGP Intercontinental Championship. I knew he was going to, I knew that's what the story they were going to try to tell, and that was the story of Kota Ibushi still beating Jay White. I was right that they were going to have Takahashi, Hiromu Takahashi, defeat Taishi Ichimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. I was right about Sonata beating Evil. This is they're setting up for Sonata's year. Um, <laughs> I was wrong about Jeff Cobb <laughs> beating Shingo because I thought this was going to be at least uh, Empire's night, and I and people were saying that it was that was a hard hitting match between Shingo and Jeff Cobb as the Never Overweight Championship should be. There's nothing but two big guys just hitting each other and just throwing everything at one another. I mean, just throwing caution to the wind, just beating each other up. And I was right about Suzuki Goon, El Desperado, and Kanemura defeating uh, Taguchi and Master Watu. Yet again, I don't know who Master Watu is like that, but uh, I only went with my gut, and yeah, Suzuki Goon still won that. But Here's leading into the news of what I found out today. Um, well, what lead into today? During speculations after his Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 main event loss against Kota Ibushi, Jay White cut a promo. And a promo is basically a guy talking on the microphone to the camera. Basically what I'm doing now to you, people will say, I'm cutting a promo. But instead of what he did was he was telling the audience that he was tired and that how he was doing this all for recognition. How he could have been home with his, he could have been home with his family and he lives in New Zealand if I'm right on the money, Jay White. Came from New Zealand a couple of years ago to be a young boy in New Japan and a young boy is a guy that would do everything the people that's above him a guy that's being a guy that a young boy is, is a guy that's under the wing of somebody a master if you will he would have to do everything his master tells him to do and for the young boys for New Japan they had to set up the set up the rings set up the guardrail set up, set up the chairs around the building they had also had to still do their training squats and all the normal rituals of a young boy they had to cook and clean uh wrestlers attire attires from time to time and anything that other wrestlers needed him to do as in fetch them food and all this type of stuff but i'm getting back to a point jay white stated that this will be his eighth year in wrestling. And that he was over this. Not over wrestling. He was tired of basically being here. He was upset that he couldn't get this win. 
you saw the breakdown of a man that was on top of the world because he was going against the weakened down opponent of night one and think he was going to win both championships. And you saw in his eyes him crumble. At that at that press release that you see on YouTube, if you just go to New Japan and you just type up Jay White promo, you will see him with a beard and just you see the look of defeat in his eyes as he's talking to the people in the press conference room. You can see the look of tiredness, of actual tiredness, and he's just throwing a complete temper tantrum because he couldn't get the job done. He couldn't fulfill his destiny in his heart. He couldn't fulfill it. He was a complete broken man, and he said that it was about time for him to leave. So, speculations have been rolling throughout this whole week. Is J-Way going to leave New Japan? Is he going to try to stay with New Japan? Is he going with WWE? Is he going to AEW? I mean, just, it was speculating. And now, the top rumor is, and this is rumor, that Jay White has been, that Jay White is on the top priority list for WWE. That they have some high interest in Jay White. And right now, Jay White shouldn't go to WWE. Jay White would be used right in NXT, but only in NXT. Because every person that isn't the Shield, and even in the Shield, only people that actually really got used right was Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Dean Ambrose got used after the Shield broke up, but he was only like a mid-card guy. And a mid-card guy is, ladies and gentlemen, is the people in the middle of the program. He's not in the main event, but he doesn't open the show up as a guy that's in the beginning match. He's in the middle of the show. His match is in the middle of the show. And that's about it. That's what a mid-card or mid-tier guy is. Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, now, as his name is in AEW, was that guy. Roman Reigns was always a main event talent. You can see it whenever him, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose bust on through in WWE at Survivor Series of 2002. He had the main event look. So you knew he was going to be a main event guy. Seth Rollins, on the other hand, he has grown into the main event look. Because off first look, yeah, he had the look, he had some looks, but he didn't have the star quality look look. He's grown into the star quality look. He had the wrestling ability. But just like everything else in WWE, you can have the wrestling ability all you want. That doesn't mean you're going to be in the main event. But the cars were in a line. The cars were aligned for Seth to be in the main events. But 
John Moxley, Dean Ambrose wasn't. And everybody else after the Shield has been either a semi-hit or a big massive flop. Shinsuke Nakamura, semi-hit. Wyatt Family, you had a group of three guys coming in as three basic hillbillies, but one guy was a cult leader, and two guys that were underneath him were his, like, disciples that did his bidding. That three-man group were the hottest act when they came up from NXT to WWE, the main roster. And WWE squandered that. After that, you had Neville, who in AEW is as Pac. Complete wasted talent yet again. Did nothing with him until his last little bit of months that he was with the WWE. And he actually was showed potential. He not showed potential, but they actually allowed him to basically be a character of what he is now in AEW, a mean, just nasty, brutal guy that tore up and beat down his competitors. Tyler Breeze, a guy, a flop, that had to go back to NXT because he lost his love from, he lost his love of wrestling that he had to go back to NXT to find it. You had Finn Balor, who came up to the main roster, who had some, not struggles. He didn't have struggles at all when he came up. He was had a rocket on him. And the rocket is, ladies and gentlemen, is whenever the people that are writing the storylines decide to put you in the main event, a.k.a. you get big money off the jump. They put you in the main event. You're the last thing people see. So that means your merchandise gets to sell more. They're going to try to sell. They're going to try to have you on every segment. They're trying to make you a big, big deal. That's what the Rocket means. He got the Rocket put on him. The first night he came in, he beat Roman Reigns to solidify his spot to go against SummerSlam, to go against Seth Rollins for the debuting Universal title. He wins, and on that match... The first match of his time in SummerSlam, he gets injured. He had to relinquish the belt the next night. And after that, it was nothing but a downward hill, downward spiral after that. He never was able to get back into that big main event spot. Until 2019, whenever he had to go back down to NXT... To find who he truly was. So the wrestling industry can truly care about him again. And he became. Prince. Of NXT. And NXT became his kingdom. Again where he's now the NXT champion. And people actually care about him again. And there's a long laundry list. Of talent that NXT had prime and ready. I mean just hot. That if you would have sent them off to WWE. They should have been completely 
in the main event or first and foremost start off start them off in the main event and see what they can do and let the people digest them down but try to not try to digest but get them digested and let them re remember exactly who this person is and build off the momentum that they had in NXT on the main roster you don't throw them up on the main roster as oh yeah here's this guy as a backstage segment or as a interview segment you have to do something impactful with these guys that you throw from the NXT to the main roster you have to do something impactful with them because if you don't you're going to kill any type of momentum that they had because momentum is greatly in is great in this wrestling business because let me make it like this in WWE momentum is great but if you're leaving from one wrestling company to go to another if your last appearance was you losing but you were a mid card guy but people in the fans know that you have a whole lot of potential and the fans see it the fans will get on social media and say this guy needs to get signed to this company or that company, blah, blah, blah company. And whenever that person shows up to that company that they say they need to get signed to, the fans rejoice. That person becomes a bigger deal in that new company that he's in. He gets the opportunity to be a main event star. Get the type of opportunities that he didn't get at his former employee's job, employer's um, establishment. And that's what I'm saying with Jay White. Jay White is in the main event of New Japan. He's not going to get that over in WWE. He'll get that in New Japan. But once Vince McMahon says, I want him on my main roster. There's only so much coddling Triple H, Paul Levesque can do. There's only so much kicking and screaming that Paul can say to... Vince and protect his investment. There's only so much in that. There's only so much Paul Levesque can do, Triple H can do to make his talent be his talent on NXT and not ever go up to the main roster so they won't get ruined. But it's the dream of every person that works for the WWE to go to the main roster and hopefully main event in WrestleMania win these championship belts that they have wanted to win all their lives. That's the reason why they become professional wrestlers. That's the thing. Jay White doesn't need WWE. Jay White can easily go to AEW because AEW right now is hot. And they're on a different level of hot than what they were coming off the Brody Lee tribute show. Because in this week's AEW, you had the Bullet Club forming but I know they're going to go under the elite. 
as their name. Because this week on AEW, you had Kenny Omega, the AEW World Champion, taking on Ray Phoenix. And Kenny Omega beat Ray Phoenix. And Kenny Omega, after the match, was going to beat up on Ray Phoenix more. And John Moxley, who I said was his, who was Dean Ambrose in WWE, he was already signed to AEW, so he's already been in AEW for about a year now. So he came out with a barbed wire bat. He hit Kenny Omega in the arm. Blood come off on Kenny's arm, and he couple give about a good two minutes later. Who comes from? The sides from the camera side camera shot. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, Impact Tag Team Champions. Impact is the number. Ooh, I'll say right now they're the number four promotion in the United States. WWE being number one, AEW being number two, uh, Ring of Honor being number three, Impact being number four. They're number four promotion in North America. Well, in America. I'm not going to say North America because that's a whole plethora of things. But AEW is with a partnership with Impact Wrestling. They're doing a storyline where Kenny Omega jumped over about three weeks ago or a month ago over to uh, Impact Wrestling starts showing up and he is there to be with his friends, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. And they're there basically to try to take over. That's what it's all going to lead to. Kenny Omega taking over and him going to try to take the Impact Wrestling World Champion. Because he already alluded to he likes collecting a little bit of gold here and there. He's already the Triple A World Champion. He's the AEW World Champion. So, more than likely, he'll try to grab the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. So, with that being the case, he's going to need people to surround himself by. And he surrounds himself by his two former running mates that he had in the Bullet Club in New Japan, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, who happened to be Impact's tag team champions. But let me get back to AEW this week. Kenny Omega, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows were beating up John Moxley. Just beating him up, hitting him with a baseball, by wire baseball bat on his back and everything. You start seeing the AEW wrestlers who were surrounding the ring behind the guardrail as basically being the fans jump over to Garwell and try to government come into the ring. Kenny and Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows were able to stop that, put a halt to it, beat up all of them before they even get even get into the ring. They were about to still beat up more on John Moxley by a good three minutes after the uh, place got cleared out from the wrestlers. And who comes out? The Young Bucks, the AEW tag team champions. They are best friends of Kenny Omega. They've helped make Kenny Omega. And they made, they, those three were the 
key unit of the elite in New Japan. A subunit of Bullet Club when ever AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson left for WWE in 2016. Kenny Omega took over Bullet Club in 2016 until his eventual departure from the Bullet Club of 2000, about mm, September, October 2018, until, and then once that happened, they, the elite of Kenny and the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Adam Page left New Japan in 2019. Kenny Omega is now in the ring with Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson. They're the Young Bucks. Kenny and Matt and Nick were all talking towards one another because Matt and Nick were looking to confused at Kenny like what are you doing Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows were smiling at their best friends the Young Bucks to see them again like they were just happy to see them like oh my god I can't believe to see you guys and Kenny Omega is now being held against the ropes by Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. and Lou Gallows hits Griff Garrison, while Matt Jackson super kicks Brian Pillman Jr. Now this leads to people at home speculate, oh my god, we're going to see the Bullet Club being formed again. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. Just You, you got that feeling because WWE had the opportunity to put the Bullet Club back together, but they failed. And you would have never have thought to see the Bullet Club, or at least a good portion of the Bullet Club, forming on national television. And now we are getting the opportunity to see it. And we can't believe, oh my God, we're going to see it. We're going to see it. Kenny throws up the two-sweet side. Carl Anderson throws up the two-sweet side. Luke Gallows throws up the two-sweet side. And now they're just waiting for Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson to throw up the two sweet side. Give it 10 seconds. And you see Matt and Nick talk. And look one another. And then they just looked at. Kenny, Luke and Carl. And they throw up the two sweet. And they look at like. Oh, can't believe we're doing this. But they're doing it. Because they know in their heart. Is what's best for business. On AEW's part. They know it's best for them. Because now they're going to get more eyeballs on their product. They know it's good for them. Because the storyline line. Storyline wise. It is going to set up a whole lot of. Creative. Ideas in the fans minds. Of what could happen next. Who might show up. And what I meant by that was. Now because Jay White has. It's been reported that he might not. Sign back with New Japan. He could could come to AEW and either join this version of a Bullet Club in America or he could be a complete, he could decide to want to tear down this version of Bullet Club because he has history with Kenny Omega 
and the Young Bucks. And let me just give you a quick overview. In 2018, Kenny Omega just got done beating... Yes, he just got done beating uh, Chris Jericho at the Tokyo Dome. And the next night at New Year's Dash, he wants to try to bring uh, Jay White into Bullet Club. He pulls out a Bullet Club shirt. Jay White puts it on. You think he's going to join Bullet Club? He hits the Jay White hits the throat slit sign in his trademark signature pose, and he pulls. Kenny Omega in, and he hits him with the Blade Runner. Or as people know in WWE, Sister Abigail. But he doesn't kiss Kenny on the forehead. He just quickly hits him with the move and runs out of the ring. So he has history with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. He doesn't have history with Carl Anderson nor Lou Gallows. But Carl Anderson and Lou Gallows are best friends of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. That they will side with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks if Jay White decides to go at them. So this leads a whole lot of ideas if Jay White decides to go to AEW. But if he decides to go to WWE, he already uh, retweeted or liked a post from Finn Balor, the NXT champion, the first leader of the Bullet Club. And on that post it said, who's ready to step up? And that kind of gave fans an idea oh my god we might see him over in wwe which i am hoping doesn't happen but i am always in favor of whatever the superstar or the talent might want because they might see something or they might have been promising that we just don't know as the fans and i can't wait to see it so that is what's big on aew and new japan's front For WWE, uh, Raw, nothing really big happened. The only thing that I can say that actually, like, big, big happened was um, Drew McIntyre, who was WWE champion, defended his championship against Keith Lee, and they had a good big man just hitting each other hard and just doing a Spanish fly off the top rope. Look that up if you don't know what a Spanish fly is. Because I can't describe exactly how, what that is. But it's a crazy looking move to perform. But they were able to perform it off the top rope. But anyway, Drew McIntyre ends up winning with a Claymore kick. And that's basically him just running and straight up jumping and trying to kick you in the face. And he beats Keith Lee before he even say anything. The music goes, his music goes off, and a music, and a mysterious person music hits, but it's not really mysterious, because it's Goldberg's, Bill Goldberg's theme hits, and Bill Goldberg walks down to the ring, he grabs the mic from, uh, somebody, and he basically challenges Drew McIntyre to a match for the WWE Championship, saying that you don't respect the legends, you see us as old has-beens, you see don't see us as a threat. And Drew McIntyre tells him, listen, I meant what I said before. I respect all the legends, but here's the deal. I'm not fighting you because of 
fighting you is like fighting my father and Goldberg took that as a take that as a challenge and he pushed McIntyre down to the ring mat hard and that's how you ended Raw NXT uh, was a great week of NXT programming the first match of the night was Damian Priest going against Karrion Cross yet again Another great match to start the night off for NXT. Two big dudes just straight up just throwing bombs. I mean, just hitting each other hard, throwing each other any which way. And it ended with Karrion Cross hitting the Saito suplex on Damian Priest. But as Damian Priest stood up, Killer Cross, well, Karrion Cross ran over. It hit him with a forearm into the back of the head. And which put Damien Priest down for the three count. Uh, Santos Escobar, he beat Grand Metalik for the to retain his uh, NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Raquel Gonzalez beat Rhea Ripley in a awesome last woman standing match. If you don't have WWE Network, just sign up for it. It's only nine ninety nine, but you get a free trial and. NXT is free to look at if you get like the free trial. So there you go. Look up, uh, do that. Um, look at that match. It was a great match. Um, you had an impromptu mixed tag team match with Kushida and Shotzi Blackheart going against the NXT North American champion uh, Johnny Gargano and his wife Candice LeRae. Kushida and Shotzi Blackheart won that mixed tag team match. And in the main event of the night, it was Kyle O'Reilly versus the Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. And it, they had a great match. It wasn't like their last match at NXT 30. Yeah, NXT 30. But they had a, still had a... They still had a great match. They still had a good match. They had a good match for them. They were able to do what they need do what needs to be done and um they were able to get get the, they were able to get what needed to be done that's basically what I'm trying to get out here um you had Finn Balor end up winning with uh, a dominable stretch <laughs> to Kyle O'Reilly because Finn Balor was working over Kyle O'Reilly's uh Finn Balor was working over Kyle O'Reilly's um, spleen after he gave him not spleen but kidney after he hit him with the hit him with a spinning kick into the kidney, and Finn Balor was just constantly working that over after that, and he made Kyle O'Reilly tap out. And during that match, it was this was a callback to his last match because in the last match, Kyle O'Reilly broke Finn Balor's jaw, and now Finn Balor has three steel plates in it, and while Finn had Kyle O'Reilly in a submission, Kyle O'Reilly couldn't get there by using his arms, so he was trying to move his body over there, and he put his teeth on ropes, and what you guys don't know is that the wrestling ropes that they have underneath the tape is steel wire, like cable wire, so it's hard stuff, so as Kyle O'Reilly put his teeth on it, he held on to it a little bit too long, Finn Balor let go of the submission and he quickly kicked the ropes. So it messed with Kyle O'Reilly's 
jaw and teeth. So Finn Balor was constantly aiming and stomping at Colorado's jaw to make kind of just basically show you that he's going after Colorado's jaw because Colorado broke his jaw in the last match. It was a great story that they were telling. Kyle Riley just never wanted to give in, but he had to end, eventually give up at the end because it, the pain was too much. It was just Finn got the best of him that night. It was too much for him. Um, and SmackDown. SmackDown, you had at the beginning of the night was Roman Reigns coming down with Jay Uso and his special counsel, Paul Heyman. And they talked about how um, last week after they put Kevin Owens through a table that how this wasn't their fault and how he actually likes Kevin Owens even though Kevin Owens is a complete pain in the butt. He likes KO and that the person that should be blamed is Adam Pearce. Adam Pearce is a former professional wrestler who has now turned into an office guy who does exactly what Vince McMahon tells him to do. If he tells him to make a match, Vince McMahon tells him to make the match and he has to make the match or superstars will come up to him and tell him that they want a match and he ends up making the match. That's basically what happened last week to Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens came up to him and said he wanted a match with Jay Uso and Adam Pierce told him, nah, you don't want that. And he ends up giving him the match because he sees how much Kevin Owens basically, how bad he wants him and how he knows Kevin Owens is going to stop snowing to get Jey Uso that night. So he just basically just gave into him. Last week, Roman Reigns calls Jey, calls Adam Pierce out. Adam Pierce comes down to the ring. Roman Reigns tells him that he is to blame for Kevin Owens not being able to provide for his family. And you need to take responsibility for it. And he can't. And Roman Reigns can't believe that. Adam Pearce set up a gauntlet match. To determine who would face Roman Reigns. At Royal Rumble. For the Universal title. And he says to him. This is me just paraphrasing it. Um, do you think that I can't. Make a challenge. Come up with a capable challenger. For my championship. Do you think I'm stupid? Adam Pierce says, no, that never came out of my mouth. He says, okay, do you, so you must think that I think you're stupid then. And then he said, no, and then Adam Pierce says, no, I don't think that neither. He says, okay, so you must think, so you must think that I think this man is stupid then. So you must think that, so you must think that I think this man is stupid. Basically going on a whole entendre saying that how you are just basically nothing. Basically, we're going to get to the point. Roman was about to jack up Adam Pierce and Paul Heyman had to quickly run up in Roman Reigns' ears and tell him, hey, 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 listen. And he starts saying something to him and the microphone couldn't get as much to Paul Heyman's ear. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman, you couldn't hear what Paul Heyman was saying to Roman Reigns. Only thing you get is little bits and pieces, but you were able to get out after he said what he said to Roman was, that's just my thought. I'm just here as a counsel, but that's just my thought. Just a thought. 
And you see Roman Reigns slowly get off Adam Pierce. Paul Heyman hands Roman Reigns back his championship. And Roman throws it on his shoulder. And Roman says, you know what? I think we had a misunderstanding here tonight. You're safe for now. You're safe. And as he was walking out of the ring, Adam Pierce, the camera showed off Adam Pierce's face to say, for now. And come to find out later, Adam Pierce was going to be the be a member of that gauntlet match to see who's going to face off against Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble. But Adam Pierce didn't want to be in the match, but Paul Heyman said, I have some strings. I pull some strings. I'm a man that knows people and I can pull some strings to get what needs to be gotten in. Let's just say you're part of the gauntlet match tonight. And just some backstory to Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce was a former independent wrestler who was um, NWA champion, probably about a good ooh, three or four times. Hold on one minute. Scratch that. He is a former five-time NWA world champion, and he's a former NWA British Commonwealth champion, and he's also a member of the NWA Hall of Fame. That means basically he has some credentials to his name. He wasn't good enough in WWE standard way to make it as a WWE wrestler, but they gave him a job as a producer, a former coach. Uh, and now they're going to have him on the screen wrestling just so he could probably live out his dream just to do this in behind the scenes term, but in front of the screen, storyline-wise, Adam Pierce doesn't want to do this at all. He was surprised to even be there. He was surprised to even have heard that, and he was like, Ugh, "Why am I? Like, what am I? What am I doing?" Uh, nothing special happened on SmackDown. I mean, Big E went against uh, Apollo Cruz for the Intercontinental Title. It was a great match. It was a great, fast-paced, hard-hitting match between two guys. I would suggest people watch it because it was good for it. It just, if you went to a, two big dudes just slugging it out for a quick couple seconds, a couple minutes, just just quick out the way, that's your match. That is yours. It was a good couple minutes to watch for wrestling. That's good. But the real main thing is the last match of the night, it was the gauntlet match. It started with Rey Mysterio going against Sami Zayn. Rey Mysterio beat Sami Zayn quick. Then after that match, it was King Corbin came in. No, no, it was Shinsuke Nakamura. And Shinsuke Nakamura beat Rey Mysterio. Then after Nakamura beat Rey Mysterio, King Corbin came in quickly and started beating down Rey Mysterio, his son Dominic, and Nakamura goes to commercial. Nakamura and Barry Corbin are fighting. The end result is Nakamura beats uh, King Corbin. 
and now it's time for Dan Bryan to go against Nakamura. Now, I personally thought, okay, Nakamura's going to lose against Dan Bryan, but he's at least going to put up a fight and effort for Dan Bryan. But no, Nakamura ends up winning against Dan Bryan. And you think to yourself, okay, they're actually going to do some with Shinsuke Nakamura. They're not going to just let him be a waste of talent and blase blase. They're actually going to do something. But the last guy to enter the match was Adam Pierce. But before Adam Pierce came out, you had Roman Reigns come out with himself, Jay Lee, not Jay Lethal, Jay Uso, and Paul Heyman. And out comes Adam Pierce a couple of minutes after Paul Heyman, Jay Uso, and Roman Reigns are on the stage. Adam Pierce comes out. They all walk down to the ring. Outside the ring. Before they any before any of them is enter the ring. Jay Uso quickly gets in the ring. He gets in Nakamura's face. And he starts throwing hands with Nakamura. He starts beating down Nakamura. Roman Reigns comes in. He helps beat down Nakamura as well. Jay Uso hits Nakamura with the super kick. Roman Reigns hits Nakamura with Superman Punch. And that is all for that. And Adam Pierce gets put into the ring. Adam Pierce looks at Roman like, what do you want me to do? Like, what? I don't know what you're wanting. And he turns around. He eats a super kick to the face by Jay Uso. Roman Reigns tells the referee to ring the bell. So that match can officially begin. And Jay, Roman tells Jade to put Adam Pierce on top of Shinsuke Nakamura. And he does that. And Roman's tell the referee to count. And the referee is looking hesitant. Like, what do you mean count? Like, what? And you can hear Roman Reigns tell him, don't make me tell you again. Count it. So... The referee ends up counting it. And now you have. That was count to three. And Adam Pierce ends up winning the gauntlet. So now you have at Royal Rumble. Roman Reigns defending his Universal Championship against Adam Pierce. <laughs> That's going to be a quick one. I don't know if they're going to actually have Adam Pierce wrestle wrestle or. What what's the case going to be? I don't know. I'm in, they got me intrigued. I'll be watching SmackDown this coming week whenever the episode comes on. Um, but yeah, that's what all that happened this week in the week of professional wrestling. And let me get to Inquiring Minds. Um, Inquiring Minds this week would like to know what is going to happen. <laughs> um. To what's gonna happen at the Royal Rumble? In the Royal Rumble match, who's gonna win it? Um, certain people are saying Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan was talking about um should how he's never won a Royal Rumble or even a Battle Royal before. Certain people are saying Big E because they want to see Big E going against Roman Reigns, two big guys just slugging it out. At WrestleMania, I personally think Big E should 
go against Roman Reigns. They should shave that match until SummerSlam continues to build Big E up. So at SummerSlam, he gets that big, nice uh, SummerSlam match. And then you get some feedback off of that. And then you could, and if people really like that match enough, save it, uh, that rematch, until WrestleMania. That's the way I would book it or create, must create a storyline for it. Um, certain people are thinking, huh, maybe Keith Lee might win. And we'll get a Keith Lee going against Drew McIntyre. And then a Brock Lesnar show up and we'll get a three-way at Russ WrestleMania. I don't know. Um, but if I were to have it my way, I would have Daniel Bryan win the Royal Rumble. And I know... It's going to suck because the crowd isn't really there to um, take in the yay, our guy won after so many years of us wanting him to win and actually actually have the right to be at the main event again at WrestleMania after his um, big title reign win at WrestleMania 30 was cut short because of a neck injury. That he had. This pandemic thing has hurt his whole thing. Because a crowd would help it out. But since we don't have that. That's fine. Still give him the win. And let him go against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And that one I will say be a toss up. I would say probably have him win. And then probably about two months down the line. Have... Uh, Roman beat Daniel Bryan. Oh, no, no, no. Or have uh, him just face Daniel Bryan somewhere down the line and him beat him, but still have the SummerSlam match of Big E versus Roman Reigns. It doesn't even have to be for the title. It just be for them just having complete disdain for Big E, having disdain for what Roman is doing in this time, around the time now. Both Usos will be back in action so now you'll have jimmy and jay with roman and you'll have uh the dynamic of biggie just talking to both of the usos like what are you doing being around roman's lap dogs i mean there's so much story and so much things you could play around with that aspect but ending of the subject i will have uh daniel bryan win the royal rumble go against Roman Reigns at Wrestlemania and that's it for the inquiring minds portion of this episode and um that's the end of the episode I that has <laughs> I know this has been a long episode this has now been a two hour episode but it was needed to be done and I thank you for listening through all this and I'm not sure if I'm going to do another two-hour one. I might. But this time, maybe next time, I'll have somebody talking along with me. Not just me being a long-winded deal if I have another two-hour one. But um, but anyway, getting to the point. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to this. This has been episode four of My Two Cents Podcast presented by G2, Gerald Garrett. Um, and episode four has been titled, Let's Start a Riot. <laughs> Yet again, um, thank you guys. I love you. 
and it's n not goodbye. It's until I hear until you guys hear my voice again. I love you. I love you. I love you. See you guys next time.